It's nice to see you today. It's been a couple of years since I've done a focus like completely on the word faith. But when you think about it, when you think of Christianity, it could be summed up in two words, love and faith. You know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And faith, put your faith in God. So I think it's time to hit this again and to focus on this important word uh, that we live by. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We please God by trusting in him, by relying on him, by believing in him. It's the only way that we can please God. We have a choice. I can forget about God, not have him be a part of my life, or I can rely on him and trust in him and look toward him. When you think of the word faith, I don't think you can just give one definition of the word faith. I don't think it would be complete. I'm going to use six definitions of the word faith in today's message because it's multifaceted. There's a lot of aspects to what faith really is. So in your notes... We're going to look at faith. It's all from Hebrews chapter 11. The first way I want to describe faith is faith is believing when I don't see it. It's easy to have faith if you see something, but when you can't see it, it's hard to believe. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Circle the word sure and circle the words do not see. They go together. It might sound like a contradiction, but that's what faith is. Faith is You're seeing the future before it happens. That takes faith. Like, I believe this is going to happen. See, with man, we want to see it before we believe it. But that's not faith. But it takes faith to believe it before I see it happening. I think of John F. Kennedy. He made a statement of faith. He said, at the end of this decade, this was in the 60s, by the end of this decade, we're going to have a man walk on the moon. Now, that took faith to say something because we didn't have the technology to even do it at that time. So he's saying a statement before we could have that. We have no way of doing it. He's saying a statement, this is what I see. But he saw it. I mean, he was believing it before he could actually see it. And that's what faith is, is you don't see it. It's not something tangible, but you believe it. It's going to happen. I believe it. Nothing really happens until you have someone that has faith or belief. I think of things like the television. Like who was it that had this idea that we'd be able to send through radio waves or however it's done through the air and you could be like 50 miles away from where I am and I can send it to you and you can watch a clear picture on your television set. You know, that's just astonishing to me. But somebody had to believe it was possible to try or even just the radio, just to, to say something and send it through a radio wave so somebody 60 miles away or li- is listening to what you said. Who would have ever believed that that was possible? But now we just take it for granted. It's, it's, you know, it's old news to us. But somebody had to believe that that was possible. Even things like a horseless carriage, a car. Someone had to believe that we can make an engine and we can find a way to fuel it or whatever to get to that point to believe that that's possible. The telephone. There's so many things 
that happened. Now we have, you know, we have these satellites that send us images and everything. It's unbelievable what we can do. But somebody had to believe it was possible to try those things. So they were believing it before they could see it. They were believing things before it was possible. You hear some of the things that people believe that were possible in the past. And today, those things happen. You, you see some things that they thought were poss- possible in the past, and it still seems ridiculous that they would think that such, such a thing could happen. But so many things were believed before they've seen it. And that's what faith is. I don't see it yet, but I believe it. Number two in your notes. If we're going to describe what faith is, a second aspect of faith is obeying when I don't understand it. That takes faith. It takes no faith to obey God if I understand why. Oh, yeah, I understand that. That's good. I can obey that. It takes faith to obey God when it doesn't make sense to you. But God, why would you want me to do this? It doesn't make sense. That takes faith. Obeying when I don't understand it. In Hebrews eleven eight, it says, It was faith that made Abraham obey when God called him to go out to a country God had promised to him. He left his own country without knowing where he was going. He lived in the city of Ur. He's 75 years old. When you're collecting social security, he's going to give you a life of no social security, you know, social insecurity. I'm going to go at age 75 and leave a town I'm familiar with, the place I grew up, and go to a land I've never been to before? God, how am I even going to know? He, God says, go west. How am I going to know when I'm there? Don't worry, I'll tell you when you get there. So you're going to, you know, God, you just want me to, like, pack up and, like, go west. And you're just going to let me know, okay, you're here, stop. That's what he did. That takes faith. Because it doesn't make sense. I don't understand this, God. Why now? Now, he's 75 years old. Why now? He has no children. God, why now? Because I've chosen you. The Messiah is going to come through you. Well, I'm 75 years old and I have no kids. Come on. 75 years old, no children. The Messiah is going to come from me? You know, isn't that kind of a little bit late? And he gets up, and he doesn't even have that child until he's 99 years old. It's that much later before he even has a child. But I don't understand this, but God says to go, so I'm going to go. That takes faith to do something that doesn't seem to make sense. You trust in God. He gets him there, and he says, stop, here's the land. Look around. Everything you see, he's on a hill. Everything you see, I'm going to give this to you. To, to the generations after you. And that's the Jewish people in the state of Israel today. So people want a guarantee of success before they try things, but faith involves risk. To do what God wants you to do, you have to step out in faith and go for it and just trust that God's going to work it out. One of the hard things to have faith in is forgiveness. When God tells you to forgive, why? Because sometimes you don't feel like forgiving. So you're going to have to do the opposite of what you feel. Sometimes everything in you wants to get revenge. You don't want to forgive. You want to get revenge. This is the way that we naturally think. 
So I have to go against my natural feelings in that situation in order to forgive that person. So there's a lot of times we have to go the opposite of what we feel in order to do the right thing. All of us can probably remember things that our parents said to us maybe when we were teen, probably, probably in our teen years, where they told us we couldn't do something or you can't wear that or whatever the situation is. You know what moms and dads do. And at the time, you were upset. Why are they doing this? You don't understand it. But then you become a parent and you've matured and you have more wisdom about the world and life and now you're telling the exact same things to your kids. You're saying the exact same things to your kids that you, when you were a kid, wanted to rebel against because you know now. <clears throat> you understand why? God's the same way. His wisdom's beyond us. Sometimes we don't get it. We don't understand why he's saying to do something, but he knows more than us. But it takes faith to trust him. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. You trust in the Lord, you lean not on your own understanding. But it takes faith to do that. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. There are things in the Bible that you read and you don't get it. Why would God say this? But you trust him. I'm saying, I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do what he says. It goes against what I want to do. But I'm going to obey him even though I don't understand it. And sometimes it's later on in life that you understand it. There are some things that you'll do that God tells you to do, and you'll never understand why. But you're trusting what you believe God wants you to do. That takes faith. A third aspect of faith is giving. Giving when I don't have it. It takes no faith to give what I already have, you know, like in my abundance. Okay, I'll give out of my abundance. But when you don't have it to give, that takes faith. That, that's a big test. Because in that test, I'm having to decide, do I make my decision on giving based on my fears or based on my faith, what I believe? And that's a battle. If I base my giving on my fears, I'm going to say, hmm, what do I feel like I can afford to give? And I'm going to give that amount because of the fear. The fear of, you know, I can't give more than that. I'm too afraid. So I'm going to give exactly what I know I can give without having any faith involved. Because it takes no faith, right, to give what you have. Yeah, I can give that. Boom. But it takes faith to give when you don't have it. When you don't have it to, to ask, God, what do you want me to give? That can be scary. Because what if God wants you to give more than what you have to give? What if it means that you're going to have to have a lifestyle change in order to give what God wants you to give? So now it's scary. Anybody can give what they have, but when it stretches you to trust God and have faith and give, when I don't really have this money to give, but I believe that's what God wants me to do. You know the number one test of your faith in God is your giving? When you read the Bible... God talks more about money than almost anything because faith is about trusting and our tendency is trust in finances. In our money, it says in God we trust. Why did they print that on the money? Because they know what people are like. Our own government did that. They know what people are like. We trust in our money. You can't trust in your money. Money can come, money can go. You have to trust in God. But giving is an opportunity to say materialism does not control my life. 
I give according to what God tells me to give. In Hebrews 11, 4, it says, By faith Abel was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. He was considered righteous because God spoke well of his offering. In other words, he was giving with the right heart what God wanted him to give in faith, whether he had it to give or not. You know, he was considered righteous. I read a verse that really convicts me. This is an amazing verse here in 2 Corinthians 8, 2 and 3. It says, out of extreme poverty welled up rich generosity. Out of extreme poverty welled up rich generosity. I've experienced this, not personally, not personally, but I've experienced this. What it reminds me of is the first time I went to Kenya, we were working up in the mountains. The way it is in those areas, a lot of third world countries, the infrastructure is not that great. So down below in the valleys where the city is, and they have streets and stuff like that, but as you go up the mountains, a lot of times there's no streets. A lot of times, the poor, usually the higher up you are in the mountain, the poorer you are. And a lot of times you have to walk it. And that's why the poor people live there, because the land is free. Anybody can build a little plywood house up there and those type of things. So what happens is we were working in those areas, and we were with the poorest of the poor. And can you do ministry to these people and all? But we would go to the church on Sunday, and, on the, and the pastor lived up there too. He was super, super poor. So he's up there, and he would preach, and they would have a church and stuff like that, and they would do the offering. And I saw the poorest of poor walk up to the front, and they would just drop a couple coins in. But you have to understand their living conditions. To them, a couple of co- I'm telling you, these guys were in desperate need of help. If there's anybody that did not need to put a couple of coins in there, it's these guys. They don't have it. Pastor didn't have it either. You know, um, what was interesting is some people had no money, but they would show up with a, like a sweet potato. And that was their offering. Because they, they would, you know, they give a sweet potato because they knew at least the pastor's family could eat a sweet potato. It would keep the pastor going. But that was their offering. No money, just a sweet, you know, they passed the offering plate and I saw people taking out a sweet potato and putting it in. And I thought, I've never seen that before. This was a new experience for me to see. So I saw this, this rich generosity, which by our standards would be very little money. But it was rich generosity when you saw how extreme their poverty was. And it says they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, and that's what those guys did. So I've seen that. I know it's true. I've seen people give more than what you would think they have any business giving. But, you know, that's a sign of faith, is faith is being able to give even if you don't have it, but you're doing what God wants you to do. That's a test of your faith. Are you going to give to God what he wants you to give? Some of the greatest lessons of my life have come in situations like that, where I'm giving, trusting God, and then I see how he works it out. But you'll never see God work like that in your life if you don't give in faith. There was one year that the church was struggling. There was one year that the church was struggling. So I thought, you know what? Um, You know, how are we going to make it? So I decided to uh, live off the equity of my house for a year. So I used up the equity of my house and didn't take a salary for a year so that we could get through that hard time, and we got through it. 
But then after that was over, now I owed um, $60,000 more in my equity of the house, you know. But you just do what you have to do. And I didn't see it as a negative. I saw it like this. Praise God, God put me in a situation where I had equity in my house. We're going to get through this year. We know we can at least make it a year. So uh, you just trust God, and, and he works it out. He works it out. Number four, faithism is persisting when I don't feel like it. Persisting when I don't feel like it. See, our culture wants to base things on do what you feel like doing. If it feels good, do it. That's an idea that we have, and if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. But that's a formula for immaturity. Immature people base their decisions on feelings. Maturity based their decisions on commitments. Like I might not, I might promise my wife, hey, on Friday night we'll go out on a date. But when I made that promise, I didn't know that my Wednesday and Thursday was going to be such a hard day at work. And I didn't know that I was going to have to get up so early on Friday. So if I live by my feelings, I tell my wife, hey, this is a hard week. I'm not going to go out tonight. That's how you, if you live by feelings. But if you live by commitments, you say, you, you go. She's been waiting. It's not about me. I made a, I told her, I'm going out with you on Friday night. We're going on Friday night. I don't care if I'm tired. I'm going to be committed to her. I tell my kids, they're in wrestling. The, the thing about wrestling is it's a sport I love, but it's a sport I hate. Let me explain what I mean. The, the, you have to get the kid to the school at 6 in the morning. Who in their right mind is going to drive a kid to a high school at 6 in the morning on a Saturday? One of the few days you can sleep in. And then they take them over, then they weigh them in. The weigh-ins are at 7.30, somewhere in Orange County or Riverside, wherever they go. And then uh, they eat breakfast. And then you're hanging out to 10 o'clock before the wrestling even starts because they have to weigh them in. Then they need to eat. They need to give them some time for the food to digest. Wrestling starts at 10. So you've already been four hours and, you, and nothing's happened yet. Then there's all these kids going, and you have to wait till their weight class goes. Then they do round after round after round. It's over at 10 o'clock at night. Then you have to drive home, and the kids are starving, so you have to stop and eat somewhere. So then, by the time you get to bed, it's 12 o'clock, and then I have to get up and preach in the morning because I'm a pastor. You know, why would I do this? Because I made, a, I, I made a promise to them. They're my kids. You make a commitment. You know, if I went by my feelings, you know, I'd say, oh, maybe you're not going to, maybe we just won't wrestle. Let's find a sport. Have you ever thought about badminton or something like that? <laughs> you know, but I'm committed. You make it, they're my kids, so you make a commitment. What does that mean? It means you persist when you don't feel like it. Because you don't always feel like doing it. But if I live by my moods, I'm going to be manipulated by my moods. So I'll be a flip-flop, flip-flop. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. No, 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 I won't. Yeah, flip. Yes, I will. You don't want to live flip-flop, flip-flop. You want to be someone that can come through with what you say. So maturity isn't living by your feelings. Maturity is living by your commitments. You don't always feel like doing the important things, but you do them because you know it's right. Everybody that's successful, don't they make a commitment to things? You don't get successful by living by your feelings. You get successful by doing the things you have to do, even though you don't feel like it all the time. There's habits that you develop. Successful people are trying to learn to use their time wisely, being persistent, you know, sharpening their skills. I bet if you went to an Olympic champion and said to them, 
I think of the swimmers. I've heard stories like these swimmers waking up at 4 o'clock every morning to go and swim in the pool. That's another bad sport, right? 4 o'clock every morning, not just on Saturdays, but every day. But, you know, and they're doing it for, for five years, and they're training for the Olympics, and they're Olympic gold medalists. And I bet you if you ask them, how many days a week did you actually want to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning? I bet you there's a lot of times that they did not want to do it. Why were they successful over other people? Because they got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, even though they didn't want to. You don't become the champion by doing everything you want to do that you feel like doing. You become the champion by doing things that you don't feel like doing, but you're doing it and the other guy's not. And you're excelling and the other guy's not. It takes hard work to be a, a, a champion. The master musician how did you get so good at playing the violin? Well, I just pick it up now and then when I feel like it. Absolutely not. They're a master musician because they do it on the days they feel like it, and they practice on the days they don't feel like it. They do it all the time. That's how they get that way. A super salesman. How does that person get so successful? They're making those calls on the days they feel like doing it, and they're making those calls on the days they don't feel like doing it. And sometimes you feel like doing it in the morning, but you don't feel like doing it in the afternoon. But you do it in the afternoon. That's the only way. You have to go against your feelings to be successful. You have to persist and do it even when you don't feel like it. I think of the most godly men and women I know. Do you know what they're doing? They're reading their Bible every day, whether they feel like it or not. There's days that they get up and they don't feel like it. They just want to take the morning and you know, sip some coffee and maybe take a walk somewhere and they just don't feel like reading their Bible that day. But every day, they read their Bible, they pray, they're committed to it. That's why they're maturing so much. You know, it's, they're doing it when they don't feel like it. That's how anybody's going to be successful in any part of their life. If I don't feel like it, but I do it, God's going to bless that in your life. And it takes faith to do that. People say, well, does God appreciate it, that you're doing it even though you don't feel like it? That's what faith is. It's persisting even though I don't feel like it. And it's impossible to please God without faith. So it's, faith is believing when you don't see it. It's obeying when you don't understand it. It's giving when you don't have it. It's persisting when you don't feel like it. It's refusing to give up. I'm not going to give up, God. I believe you and I'm going to hang in there. How do you get this kind of persistence? In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it says, it was by faith that Moses left Egypt and was not afraid of the king's anger. He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. Moses held to his purpose. He didn't give up like a man that could see the invisible, meaning God, he, like a man that could see God, even though you can't see God. He's invisible, but he hung on like as if I can see God. In other words, that's a faith statement because you don't really see God, but you see him. None of us have ever seen God, but we see him. Because in faith, we believe he's there, and we're trusting him. And that's what made Moses keep going, even though the king was wanting to kill him. The king wanted to destroy him. And he kept going and going because he saw what was invisible. When his eyes was on God, were on God he didn't give up. He wasn't afraid and stopped. And, you know, he didn't let fear just destroy what God wanted to do. When his eyes were on God, if he took his eyes off of God, maybe then he'd give up. 
he'd lose faith. He persisted because his eyes were on God. It's God that gives you the strength to persevere. Like, you feel like there's no way that this marriage can make it. But with faith, you can persist and believe, if we work on it, it can. You know, there's no way that this business I started is going to make it. And you might be willing to give up too soon. But if you have faith, stick with it. Don't give up so quick. That business still might turn the corner. See, a lot of people aren't successful because we give up too soon. The average multi-millionaire um, didn't hit it till over, until uh, they were older than 40 years old. And they've done a lot of interviews with these people like Carnegie. And, you know, there are some people, the rare examples of people that made it rich before that time. I'm talking about the big-time multimillionaires, billionaires type of people. Uh, the majority of them never made it till they were over 40. And you, they did interviews with them, and they talk about the failures they had. Like they had this fell, like Rockefeller and those guys. This failed and this failed. And then they learned from that, so they adjusted. And this failed and this failed. And it sounds like they were having failure after failure. But in all of them, they didn't see it that way. They thought that they were being educated to what worked and what didn't work. And they used that education. And then... They made it, and they made millions and you know millions of dollars. While the average person, the difference is this: they this, they tried this and this failed and this failed, and they didn't see it as an education. They saw it as a failure, so they said, oh, "I'm a failure. I'm not going to do that. I'll just take a job for this guy and work for him, and pay it safe, because I'm a failure. Who was I to think I could do anything good? It's persistence. What, well, but?" You think if you're, if you're starting off at age 20 and it's 20 years of failing here and there before you really got it, you think 20 years of failure, you'd get, the, you'd get it. Hey, I'm just not good. But that's actually, that's actually the trend. Most of them fell until they're about 40, 45, 50 years old before it took off. So you can't look at it that way. You persist. You keep going. Don't give up on that business too early. It might be good. It just might need to be changed a little bit here and there. We have children that we would just give up on. <clears throat> like, I've tried this with my teen. I've tried that with my teen. I give up. I give up. And I'm saying, don't give up. Faith is persisting, even though it looks like he or she's a hopeless case. It's your daughter. It's your son. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just hang in there. You don't know what God's going to do. Convictions that you have. You have certain convictions. Maybe it's people at work that are going against your convictions, but you know it's right. And it makes you want to, when you feel like everybody's against you, it makes you want to give up on your convictions. It's easy to have a conviction if you share it and everybody's with you. You feel good about it. But when you share this conviction and everybody's against you, you want to give up that conviction. You want to quit. I'm saying, don't give up. Don't give up. Persist. Even if you feel like giving up. Number five, faith is thanking God before I receive it. See, anybody can thank God after they receive it. You know, God gave me something. I've been blessed in whatever way. Thank you, God. That's called gratitude, but it's not faith. It takes zero faith to thank God after you receive it. But gratitude is good. You want to be grateful. But it takes faith to thank God before you have it. You know, I haven't even received it, and, and I'm thanking God as if it's mine. Look at Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them seven days. What happened was 
the Israelites went into the promised land, and there's this fortified city called Jericho. It's the most powerful city, maybe in the world at that time, but for sure in that area. And they don't have a chance against this city. So God says, what I want you to do is march around the city. Just march around it. Every day, just march one time around it for six days. So they march around the city. This is foolish. You can only win a battle like that by faith. Because marching around a city does not win a battle. And God says, march around it once. Then the next day they do it. Then the next day they do it. Then the next day they do it. And then on the seventh day, he said, now you're going to march around it seven times. And then the city will be yours. Like I said, you, you have to be crazy to do that unless you have faith. Because it's ridiculous. You don't win a city by walking around it. They walk around it seven times. The city collapses. The wall collapses. And they take the city. Now, everything about that seems crazy. What are they doing by walking around the city? Is they're believing God before it happens. Because God is saying, you're going to win and you have to walk around it. Would you walk around the city if you didn't believe God? Would you waste your time walking around there if you didn't believe? They're believing before they've received it. It's showing in faith that, God, I believe you're giving this to us. It's ours. Because you would never fight a battle that way. It'd be ridiculous. They believed before they received. They're thanking God before they have it. That's a part of faith is you thank God for something that you believe he wants to give you even before you see it, even before you have it. You know, faith isn't believing that God can do it. That's just a fact. God can do that, do whatever he wants, whether you believe it or not. Faith isn't mustering up enough. You're like, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get this. In the name of Jesus, you like how people try to psychologically pump themselves up. You know, that's really hope. You're hoping that happens. In the name of Jesus is going to, you're just really hoping it happens. And then you call it faith. But it's, you're, you're just hoping. But faith is, you believe, it's, you believe it's a done deal. You really believe it. I'll give you an example. If I were to give you a check for $1,000, it's only a piece of paper, right? I give it to you. And you could thank me at that moment. You know, like, oh, thanks for $1,000, unless you saw my bank account. Then you know, maybe I shouldn't thank him in advance, because this is Jimmy that gave me that check for $1,000. Okay, but let's turn that around. Let's say it's Bill Gates. Bill Gates gives you a check for $1,000, just a piece of paper. It's not yours yet, because you have to take it in, and it has to be there. And, but by faith, you could tell Bill Gates, hey, thank you, because you're guaranteed you've got $1,000, because you know that Bill Gates is not Jimmy Cheney. And you know if he gives you a check for $1,000, you're, you're guaranteed you've got $1,000. So you can what? You can thank him in advance. You haven't gone there to the bank yet. You haven't, the bank hasn't gone to his checking account to see if it's really there to bring it. But you have 100% faith that, that's a, that you have $1,000 in your hand, even though you, you don't really know, but by faith you believe it's there. That's what it's like. You know that God's going to do this. It's faith. In Mark eleven twenty four, when you pray and ask for something, believe that you have received it, and you will be given what you ask for. That will also change the way that you pray. Because there are some things that you pray for that you know isn't, it's not God's will. You pray for it, but you say, but it changes the way you pray. 
Because you're going to have to believe that you've received it, which means you're going to be praying for the things that really matter, that you really believe God wants to do. So you're believing it before it happens. That takes faith. That's way more than gratitude. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Israelites were going to fight these three armies. These three armies are, are coming in, and they're going to tear them up. They don't have a chance, really. They're, uh, not only is it three different countries that are attacking them, but um, it's three times the amount of soldiers of what they have. So it's uh, one man for every three. And they don't have a chance, so they seek God. And God says, here's what I want you to do. Put the worship team in the front. What they're going to do is they're going to have tambourines out there and drums, and they're going to be praising God for the victory. Because here's what the culture was. You go to battle, and, if, and after you win, you go back home, and the worship team comes out, and everybody's praising God and thanking God for the victory. But never, never, never did they ever do that beforehand. This is the first time that, that it, was, it was never thought of, like that you do the victory party before the war. Doesn't make sense, right? Hey, we're going to have, go to war tomorrow, so let's do the victory party today. They said, well, we haven't won yet. But that's exactly, what are they doing? They're thanking God before it happened. So that's what they do. They obey God. Here again, you wouldn't do it if you didn't have faith because it's ridiculous. You don't win a battle like that. So they put the worship team out front with tambourines and stuff, and they start marching out to war, praising God for the victory ahead of time. Well, when they started doing this, for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't say why, the three different nations that were going to fight the Israelites started getting conflict with one another over things. They started getting angry about this and that, and they turn on one another. And those three countries' armies end up fighting each other, and they destroy each other so much that when the Israelites finally show up to battle, they're already defeated. The three countries turn on each other. They had a big you know, war between them, and then the Israelites just took it over easily. You know when they won that battle? When they were thanking God for the victory before it ever happened. And then God gave them the victory. They didn't even have to. It was a very easy win because they were so destroyed by one another that it was easy to pick up whatever was left. And it was over. Their enemy was gone. There's something about thanking God ahead of time. But it takes faith. That's one of the examples of faith in the Bible. Another definition of faith is trusting if I don't get it. I'll give you two facts about prayer. Number one, God always hears your prayer and he always answers. But number two, a second fact about God is he doesn't always answer the way you want him to. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says later. Sometimes he says you're not mature enough yet. Sometimes he says yes. But he always answers your prayer. A lot of times he says no because he loves you. You're praying for something he knows isn't good for you. Did you ever in high school or college or even in junior high um, have feelings for somebody and you thought, I'm going to spend the rest of I, God, give me this person. I want to spend the rest of my life with that person. But today, you think like, praise God, he didn't answer that one. <laughs> Has that ever happened? Yeah. There's a lot of things that we pray for that we're so sure we want at the time, but now we look back and we think, no, I didn't want that. Why? Because we're just immature. Sometimes we don't know what's good for us. But in the time, our feelings deceive us. God is not a, a vending machine where you go and you look at what you want to get, you know, out of the vending machine. This is what I want. Because a lot of times what you want isn't what you need. And God's 
God loves you too much to just give you everything you want. You know, you've heard me say, like, I have a son who's 14 years old. If he asked me for the keys to the car because he wouldn't drive to the store, I'd say no. He doesn't have a license. He's never even driven before. And it's not a no forever. He's just not ready yet. He's 14 years old. So the answer is no for now. Maybe later. But not for now. Right now, you can't have the keys to the car. I'm not rejecting him. Dad, you never let me have fun. All I'm asking for is the keys one time. I've never asked you for keys before. And then the one time I ask you, you say no. And that's how we are with God sometimes. And the answer is still no. You're not getting the keys to the car. But now you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, but you say no because you love people. You care about them. You don't want them to ruin their life. In Hebrews 11, 35 to 40, he starts giving a list of people that suffered for their faith. He said, some of these guys were beheaded. Some of these people were burned at the stake. Some had their eyes poked out. Some were drowned. And it goes through all this gruesome stuff that they went through. But he goes on to say that they're the heroes of the faith. But one thing struck me about that passage. All those people got the opposite of what they prayed for. Because I can guarantee you, not one of those guys said, God, my prayer is that my eyes get plucked out. They got the exact opposite of what they prayed for. And yet the Bible says they're a hero of the faith. In other words, what made them a hero of the faith is they had faith in God even though the things that they prayed for didn't happen. They still had faith in God. Like these people might kill me. I'm a Christian and I might die for my faith. But I'm keeping my faith. But if you die for your faith, you're getting the opposite of what you prayed for. I don't think people say, you know, my dream. What are you praying for? I've always wanted to be a martyr. You know, I just have looked for that day that someday somebody's going to burn me at the stake. Nobody prays like that. No one in their right mind thinks that way. But people die that way. If you don't think that there's people that are suffering, go to North Korea. See how they treat Christians there. You know, they, 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 they take you, they handcuff you, they'll beat you with sticks. This is the, the uh, you know, the government. You know, they'll punch you in the face. They beat you up. They're, you're always harassed because they see Christianity as the Western world, as they, they relate it to capitalism, even though it's not, but that's what they relate it to. And, and they see churches and pastors as in, having a great influence on people. So they put that down because they're going to influence people according to the Bible, but not necessarily according to where they're wanting to go with communism. So, um, a lot, and I'm telling you, those North Koreans are way more faithful than you and I. I'm telling you. It's easy to be a Christian here. It's not there. It takes a lot of faith to stick up for what you believe over there because you, it's going to cost you. They're way more faithful, but they're not getting what they pray for. They're not getting what they pray for because, you know, what? they're praying that they won't get beat up for their faith, but they do. You know why they're the heroes of the faith? Is they're praying for one thing, and they're getting the opposite, and they're not losing their faith. They're not, they still believe. But why would you believe? You're praying not to get beat up, and the government keeps beating you up. Why do you believe? Because it's true. It's changed my life. I still believe. But you're not getting the answer to your prayer that you want. Those are the people with the real fa uh, faith. It's kind of insulting when America comes out with a doctrine 
a healthy, wealthy doctrine. If you have enough faith, you'll be healthy and wealthy. That's an insult to those Kenyans I was with. Those Kenyans that are faithful, giving out of their poverty because they love God. And they're working together to do what they can to do good. And they've got nothing. And they're just, I mean, their life is so difficult. And there's some American pastor saying, if you have enough faith, you'll be healthy and wealthy. What an insult that is. Those people are way more faithful than probably anybody in this room, including me. Look at how they live and how faithful they are with nothing. And they keep believing and they keep going for it. Now, I'm not saying that there's not some truth in the idea of if you live a Christian life, you should be living a healthier life, right? You know, like a lifestyle. So, yeah. And if you, and if you live a Christian life, you should be the type of person at work that's working hard and treating people right. And you're probably most likely to succeed in business by treating people right, not wrong. You treat people wrong in business, they stop doing business with you. You treat people in the right way. I'm not saying that... I'm, I, I do believe that when you apply the principles of God's word to your life, you should be healthier, you should be more successful, no doubt about it. But it's not a promise. Not a promise. Because it depends really on where you happen to be born and the time that you're born. There's a lot of other factors. It's never a promise. You could be very successful and God could put it on your heart to be a missionary in some of these places and you're going to live a poor life. And it could be exactly what God wants you to do. It could be exactly what God wants. But that's faith. I believe God's called me over here. I'm going to help those people. That's what faith is. It's not always getting what you want. It's not always getting the answer to your prayer. But faith is trusting God even when he says no. Why would God do this? Because God is always more interested in your character than your comfort. See, we pray for comfort. That's what I want. I want comfort. And then he allows me to go through tough times anyway, and I end up with character. And you think of the things that you've gone through. You know how things always make you either bitter or better? It's about, you, none of us escape those problems in life, but we do either get bitter or better from them. You build your character, you get bitter at God, and you get worse. But we have that, but there's no way to get better character outside of tough times. It's the only way. If God gave me everything I wanted, every time I wanted it, would I ever trust in him? No. Do you know how I've learned how to trust in God? When I didn't have enough money to pay my bills. And I prayed, God, you know, help us out. And then it all worked out. I said, whoa, that's what teaches you how to trust God. I've never learned to trust God because I have a lot of money. It's during the hard times. Or this taught me to trust God. Um, my wife goes in for a checkup of, uh, five weeks before the, the babies do. And they say, oh, something's wrong. And they look inside her body and they do an MRI and they do a, this scan and everything. And they say, uh, you're going to have to go in for an emergency hysterectomy. We're going to re- have to probably remove half your bladder. You're never going to be the same. You'll never be able to have kids again. Uh, we have to do this to save your life. This is going on. That's going on. So one day we're going to the regular doctor's visit. Next, next day, Arthur's being born. He wasn't ready yet. <laughs> he had five more weeks. He was still in the oven. So what happened was we rushed over there, and they showed us everything, like what this meant and this and that. So we're scared of death. We rush over there. All we're doing is praying, 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 praying. Some of you remember this because I put something on, um, uh, uh, I think, an email to some of the people in the church 
saying, hey, I have to rush to the hospital. This is what's going on. And we get there. Uh, the doctor goes in, and everything's normal. It's, it's all normal. The only thing that happened is we just got Arthur a little bit earlier. That's it. But everything was normal. I believe it was God. I believe it was God. They don't know. They don't know why. Everything's normal, yeah. And we said, uh, uh, the, one of the nurses said, yeah, these things just so hap happen sometimes. I have an uh, assistant wrestling coach, and uh, I try to find ways to kind of share my faith with him now and then. You know, he's a good guy, but I've just, I, I don't know if he's that interested in spiritual things, but I try to share my faith with him a bit. And of all things, his wife happens to be a nurse at that hospital that we had to rush into, and she is his nurse. And she's the one right there in the room seeing all this happen, knowing what's supposed to happen and everything. I think God's helping me share my faith with the guy. You know, because he's, you know, what's the chance of that happening? Because she knows what happened. They don't know why it happened. They say, well, we don't know why, but everything's good. They're just happy. Everything's good. Just be happy. So she can still have more kids if she wants to. There's no problems, absolutely nothing. But it's during those times that that's when you learn to have faith in God is you're in a situation where it's out of my control. All I can do is worry or pray. I can either worry or worship. That's my choice. I can either worry or worship. I'm trusting you, God. You're in control. I'm relying on you. My faith is in you. Or I could worry, worry, worry. I chose worship over worry. And then everything worked out. It doesn't mean that everything's always going to work out. But it's in those times that you build faith. You don't build faith when everything's great. It's when it's a struggle. In Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, it says, they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had been promised. God had planned something better. None of them received really what they were hoping for because none of them wanted, but none of them was hoping for their eyes to be poked out and that type of stuff. None of them received what they had been praying for. They didn't get the answer to their prayers, but the Bible says, I gave them something better. I gave them something better. You know, things that build character. They're heroes of the faith for eternity. These are people, what could be better than having your answers, the answers to your prayer? Really, what could be better is spending the rest of eternity with God in heaven. That's better. That's better. And a lot of faithful people don't get what they prayed for. Martin Luther King Jr., had a dream for racial equality. I think he was a man of faith, but he never saw it happen. He never saw it happen. He died. He was assassinated a few years later. And not that it's happened even now completely, but I think he would be happy by a lot of, a lot of what he sees. I think he'd be happy, but he didn't get to see it. But that doesn't mean he's not a man of faith. I think of um, Moses. Do you know that he died, you know, the whole thing about we're going into the promised land, we're going into the promised land, we're going into the promised land, and then he gets there and God says, oh, by the way, you're not going to make it. You're going to die first. Well, what's the point? <laughs> you know, the whole point was to make it to the promised land. That was the whole dream. That was his whole message. And then he dies before he doesn't even get to see it happen. Doesn't mean he wasn't a man of faith, but it does mean that God doesn't always answer your prayers. Why wouldn't God just let him go? Come on, let, let, let him go. Come on. No, God said, no, you're going to die before you get there. 
but they're making it. And by faith, he's trusted God that it's going to work out even though he didn't get to see it with his own eyes. Do you know what I learned about God? If you can understand why God does what he does, then your perspective of God is too small. Because God wouldn't be God if I could understand him. He'd be too, you know, if I can figure out God, then it doesn't mean that I'm, I've reached him. It means I've put him down to my level. You can't understand God. He's beyond you. It'd be foolish for me to even think I could figure out God. You know, that's what faith is. Faith is I'm trusting him in spite of the fact that I can't figure it out. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Sometimes I just have to trust him, never knowing why. He would, why God? I don't know why you're doing that, but I'm going to trust you. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of how we believe how we approach the things that we approach. Do I believe when I don't see it? Do I obey when I don't understand it? Do I give when I don't have it? Do I persist when I don't feel like it? Do I thank God before I receive it? Do I trust God if I don't get it? Those are six definitions of faith that you see in Scripture. Sometimes we're trying to face full-time problems on a part-time faith. And I hope over this next few weeks as we're going through this, I hope it will be an encouragement for you to come and take the things that we're going to learn so that you can really learn to trust God. Because God wants to bless your life. He wants to do great things in us. But we're just afraid to let him. Our number one enemy is ourselves. You know, there's a lot of things that God would want to do in our life, but we just hold back because of fear or unbelief or I don't understand it or show me the results first before I take a risk whatever it would be. And it's, it's, it's not going to happen that way. You're going to have to take some risk, but watch what God does. With that, let's pray. Lord, we want to put our faith in you. We want to believe in you. We know that without faith, it's impossible to please you. Lord, help us to live by faith. Help us to believe when we don't see it. Help us to obey when we don't understand. Help us to give when we don't have it. Help us to persist when we don't feel like it. Help us to thank you before we receive it. Help us to trust when we don't get what we want. Lord, we know that you want what's best for us. So we just want to trust you and we want to follow you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.